Good evening, everyone. I'm sorry, Molly, sultry voice is not here tonight. Uh, she is struggling with seasonal such. Spring is spring. Spring is sprung. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Bethel Radio Hour, where Bible study and radio collide tonight in our segments. We will be discussing Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, building the Mount Rushmore of time periods, where she gets this stuff, and continuing our discussions on millennials. I am obviously not Molly Kingston, but I am your first, pair first chair panelist, Ben Kingston, Molly's dad. She's asking us, gentlemen, what is the most addictive game for you? And, of course, this comes from a deep-seated problem, no, uh, hobby of hers uh, in the such. So, uh, Dr. Gavin Hooks, our second chair panelist, what's the most addictive game for you? Probably Call of Duty. Uh, so, it was a video game. I, I am a, a recovering video gamer. So okay. I, and I, I can't say that I played a video game in... Three years, four years now? Call so. of Duty. You remember when we used to play Commando at the Burnett's yeah. house? Ouch, that hurts. Ouch, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Call of Duty. Our third chair panelist, Ryan Mayberry, what is your most addictive game? There's been too many to count. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever I happen to be playing at the time. Right, uh, right now, it's a game called Fall Guys, but that'll be okay. different once I get through with that one type of thing. Mm -hmm. So you may or may not know that we have a celebrity in our midst. <laughs> Ryan has his name on the Pac-Man? Pac-Man yeah. and Frogger. And yeah, Frogger. Legendary. At 1984 mm -hmm. in Springfield. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you, to get that, you got to beat the machine. It goes to a blank to screen kill, or kill a screen. You go to the kill, kill screen. screen. Mm -hmm. All right. Five hours? Yep. Five hours, 256 levels. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're not worthy. <laughs> so do they pay you to leave at that point? <laughs> or not no. to come back. Actually, yeah. they give you a gift card to come back. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. All right. So uh, honestly, and guys, I have kind of like Gavin, you know, I'm in other pursuits now. You know, uh, if you ask me how many hours did I spend boiling maple syrup, you know, we, we can talk. Yeah, exactly. or, you yeah. know, how, how many times did I? That's no game. Hours bro. did I? Right. How many That's no game. That's no game. <laughs> That's right. Uh, how many hours did I spend on a uh, deer stand, things of that nature? But I have had a few run-ins with, uh, I still to this day call them electric games. My kids always <laughs> laugh at me. Uh, video games or whatever the case may be. But uh, Commando was one that we invested a bunch of time yep. with. Uh, probably 30 years ago, uh, Dawn had there at her house a old probably first-generation Apple computer set up, and it was a game about uh, basically you were exploring caves and such of that nature. So let me tell you her most addictive game because she's got all this written out. Uh, Skyrim, although Stardew and Fire Emblem are very close seconds, she says, I have logged 300 hours on all of them within the gaming world. That's not a lot, but it is for me. Those in the audience, if you would like to share your own answer to this question, text the number on the screen, uh, which uh, you can do, yeah, 2526. Thanks, Brad. This also applies to any other questions or topics of discussion we broach. As always, if you listen later online, please comment your answer on the Facebook post and then like and share so others can join in the fun. So, 710, we are right on the money. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, 1 through 5. 
and yes, my uh, voice is being altered by uh, allergies as well. 723, oh, that's Mount Rushmore, never mind. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to have to go now back to my notes. So uh, there, and, and I've got it split up again, so let me, let me pull the passage up here on my phone, and I'll read it straight, and then we will uh, hopefully just dive into it. Ephesians chapter 5, 1 through 5 says this, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Two, you know, daylight and dark there. The first three verses are daylight, and then the last two verses are dark. These are the practical chapters of a Pauline epistle. Uh, Paul always starts with doctrine, and then he builds it with practically how to carry out that doctrine. Uh, the doctrine here, of course, in Ephesians was you are one. Uh, the Gentiles are not separate from the Israelis. Uh, Jesus came to die for everyone. That was the, in air quotes, mystery that most uh, Israelites did not understand and most Gentiles were not made aware of until Paul, uh, if you will, brought that to their understanding. So now he's trying to explain to them, this is how you live like a child of God. Uh, a child of God should be emanating the light if you will, Jesus is the light of the world. Now, one of my more interesting thoughts, uh, meaning I like to think about it, is, you know, you and I, we have an option. We can seek God, and as we seek him, be illuminated, we can humble ourselves and be exalted. Or you can take the other route. You can be flesh, fleshly-minded and as a child of God, sooner or later, he's going to love you enough to correct you. And you can be humiliated, if you will, and hopefully then you'll make the turnaround. And so for me, most children of God want to know how can I do the former than the latter? You know, uh, if I'm going to be humiliated, I, let, let's, let's avoid that, you know. So how do I humble myself on a daily basis and such? Well, I, you know, Paul says it right here at the very beginning. Be ye therefore followers... Of God, so I want us to take a moment. Uh, and since Molly's not here, we're not limited by the time constraints. <laughs> uh, the The word "followers" there is the Greek word "imitators." Be ye imitators of God. So I, I asked myself the simple question: What does it mean to be an imitator slash follower of God? But I want you guys to answer that first, and there's no wrong answer. G give me your opinion, and then I'm going to share with you what I came up with. Uh, but well, follow his word obviously is the, the easiest answer. But then there's other things like, you know, if you're wanting to imitate God, well, God was creative when he made the earth, so he made us to be creative. He's Very good. loving when he sent his son for us, so, so we're to be loving. You yeah. know, look at what God did in certain situations and figure out how you could be like that to imitate Amen. him. Amen. Very good. Jesus made it a little bit more personal like on the Sermon on the Mount. That, that this, the first part of this 
uh, passage reminded me so much of the Sermon on the Mount when he, he said he was basically talking about love and we should love our enemies, pray for them that, that um, despitefully use you and, and talking about loving our enemies. And he said, be therefore as your father in heaven, like your father mm -hmm. in heaven. So have the same qualities as your father in heaven. So have the resemblance mm -hmm. so people can tell you are the, the child of your father, which is in heaven. It's Matthew 44. Uh, Matthew 5, 44, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them, to hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. So he's not just following them, but you want to have a family resemblance to your Father, um, and this is how you do it. And the same thing's repeated in this passage here. Um, Paul starts it out on this chapter, be ye therefore followers of, your, of God. If you go back and read the, the last verse of the previous chapter it says and be ye kind one another tenderhearted forgiving one another even as God, God our for Christ's sake hath forgiven you yeah. uh, so be there you know, that word therefore you teach us to go back so I just went back a, a verse there and uh, it's very similar so you want to be identified with your family and your family resemblance should be that of the father that's good stuff so j just to piggyback off of both of those comments um, I think you could also, uh, and I'm, I'm, the words don't come easy anymore, but instead of follow, you could uh, put the word student, you know, be a student of God to know what he's doing and, and then act like him. So I basically did the whole what, when, where, why, you know, thing. Uh, what does it mean to follow someone? Do what they do. Do it how they do it. Do it when they do it. Do it for the same why that they do it. Do it where they do it or did it. Do it with who they did it with. So when you look at Jesus' life and you put those questions, do what they do. What did he do? He showed compassion to every person he met, with the exception of the scribes and Pharisees. And with them, he met with truth, you know, and, and he corrected them. You know, every, every time I hear someone, and, and please hear me, guys. I, I do believe I have the spiritual gift of prophecy, which does not mean that I can foretell anything. It means that I have the supernatural ability to apply God's word to a situation. And so prophets see right and wrong, black and white. And if a prophet's not careful, the fleshly use of that is to be judgmental. And so I'm the first person to admit that if I'm not careful, I'm going to be judgmental. But when the world accuses us of being judgmental in my humble opinion and, and they basically say that's not Christianity they haven't read the words where Jesus told the scribes and Pharisees you brood of vipers <laughs> you snakes he was calling them low down no good nothings whited sepulchers whited sepulchers you know what a sepulcher is place a of death. grave <laughs> yeah and so was Jesus being <clears throat> mean to them he was loving them enough to tell them that this is who you are. You, you are lying, sons of God. Might want to rethink your life. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You may want to go home and rethink your life. That's right. So, uh, you you do what they do. You tell the people that you love the truth. You you show the people that are in a very bad situation. You show them compassion and love. You get into their mess with them. So, uh, how did they do it? You know, how did Jesus do it? He he did it. Uh, every day, all day. Uh, when did they do it? We just answered that. Do it for the same why. Wh okay, and this was huge to me. Why did Jesus do what he did? W when they asked him point blank, why are you doing all these things? 
I am only doing what my Father has told me to do. I am here for the express purpose to bring glory to my Father. I only do what I see him telling me and hear him telling me to do. So, isn't that how we're supposed to live? Whatsoever you do, do to the honor and glory of Christ, uh, do it where they did it. Well, your sphere of your world, your sphere of influence, do it with who they did it with. Jesus did this with his disciples. We're supposed to do these works with other Christians, such that nature. Comments? An in interesting method that Christ, Christ could have just had a public ministry where he preached to thousands at a time and reached far more people. But he lived with 12 guys and really communicated and transmitted his faith Amen. and his mission to them personally in a relationship. I think he intends to do the same thing today. You know, it's popular to say this, but what Brother Gavin just intimated there, he did life with them. He did everyday life with them. They ate together. They did everything together. Uh, so then he says, as dear children. Be followers of God as dear children. You've already brought this out, but children are like their parents. If they're good children. Yeah, unfortunately, sometimes well, well, yeah, that's true. not a good thing all true. the time. That, that's absolutely correct. Uh, and walk in love. Imitate the love that was shown for you. You know, here, here Jesus uh, crawled up on a cross and died for us. And how many times have you heard somebody say, well, I just don't have time for that? You know, have you checked with your Heavenly Father to make sure that that's on His agenda as well? Uh, now, I can tell you that there are times in every person's life that they have to be ready with a transitional phrase. And for me, one of those transitional phrases, that when I find myself in a situation that I believe someone is asking me to do something that, that would, you know, like think about, uh, is it Nehemiah that was on the wall, building the wall, and mm -hmm. the enemies were trying to get him to come down and talk to us, and he said, look, I ain't got time for that. I got stuff to do. That's right. So you got to have that transitional phrase ready to go. And I heard a preacher say it like this one time, I do not have the emotional energy to get involved in that right now. That, that's good. I've used that. Mm -hmm. I've used it several times. Now, you've got to make sure that that does not become a crutch or even a very good-sounding cover-up when in reality you do have the emotional energy. It's just something you really don't want to do. You know? So you've got to work through all that. Uh, so as Christ also hath loved us. I mean, th think about that. We're supposed to be followers of God as dear children, loving the people around us as Christ loved them and loved us. So he, he gave his life for us. Pretty high bar. Say again? Pretty high bar. Pretty high bar. And giveth himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So, you know, Paul is comparing these two situations that just as Jesus completely satisfied God's call for his life, he's asking us to do the same thing, satisfy the calling that God has upon us, and it will, as a result, be a sweet-smelling savor to God. Now, is it wrong? Is it bad that every time I hear a sweet smelling savor, I think of barbecue? Is that bad? I think it's natural. Okay. Amy. Uh, Great. Thank man, you. I can't tell you when I read that. Do you think of something study, like that? Oh food? my goodness. So the when I finish a, a shoulder in the house, the house smells yeah. like that. Oh man, that smell. <laughs> what dreams are made of. Yeah, that that's right. And 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 think about, you know, so, so even though we're being a little silly. This is scripture, a sweet-smelling savor. They burned incense 
in temples and, and, and such and tabernacle usage and worship. So it's a common understanding that God enjoys a good smell. And, and so, it does imbibe emotion. Right, and, and absolutely. There's a whole industry that's memories. Right, dedicated right. to that. Yeah. <laughs> Capturing that emotion. <laughs> if you but don't I, know what the commercial's about, it's a, it's a perfume commercial. There you go. <laughs> well, is there a barbecue candle yet? Oh, there's got to be. It's got to be. If not... Somebody's we, missing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, but, but back to the real stuff here. Um, <laughs> it smells good to God. It, it smelled great to God to uh, see what Jesus did on our behalf. It smells good to God when you and I sacrifice for someone else for the sake of his kingdom. You know, um, And, you know, here we are. This is probably one of the more uh, populous or popular uh, statements out there. Aaron Click said years ago with Easter Walk, if Jesus Christ could die on the cross for me, surely I can wear a costume and get rained on, you know, for Easter Walk. So amen to that. That uh, phrase, the prayers, prayers of the saints, uh, mentioned three times in Revelations, they're a part of the worship services when God offers up a full, a golden vial full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints, mm. part of his remembrance and celebration maybe of the, the of his coming home of his people, the people that he sacrificed for is all going to be part of the worship service there. And, and if the context, if my memory serves me, and it seldom does, uh, these were people that were dying for Christ. They, they were being persecuted them, to yeah. death. Oh, look at there. Texas brand brisket candle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take two. Yeah. Coming to a Christmas gift near you. All right. Uh, so that was the light. Okay. Now we're going to talk about the darkness here for a moment. Uh, I, let me see if we're doing good on time. Something tells me we're not. We're a little over. Oh, okay. Hey, Molly's not here, so. I won't tell her. Yeah. Sins of the tongue. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Sins of the flesh. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you. Now, I, I'm going to tell you, we really do need to give this the just desserts. So let's. I'll let Molly know that this is how far we got. We only got through two verses, uh, and because I, I don't. What one fellow said after he came to a BRH, I said, "What did you think?" He said, "Well, it's kind of like stuffing a ten-pound potatoes in five-pound bag." So <laughs> you know, I, I want y'all to get the whole uh, you know thing here because we're finna talk about some sins, and, and we and we need to because you know the world needs to know. Some somebody maybe asked, you know, well, well what about this? Well, the Bible doesn't really cover that. Mm, do you know? You know, and so the Bible does cover these sins. So I want to give them their just desserts, if you will. Uh, if let's see, we just did that. Seven twenty-three Mount Rushmore time periods. So we're over about two minutes, but we're good. Ryan, what are your Mount Rushmore of time periods? And guys, if you want to get yours in to six three six six two nine two five two six, I'll read them. Okay, so I just did decades instead of whole time periods because I'm not the most well versed on each time period and what happened in all of them, so I just went with some decades. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that. Yeah, pick one you're interested in, you bet. Yeah, uh, so I went with uh, the 1760s to start with because that was the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. Uh, 80s and 90s for two more because I just, the entertainment was top of the line. Like that was the, the pinnacle of- Pe Peaked. Yes, yeah. that's when entertainment peaked, is the 80s and 90s. And then for the final one was uh, year zero. Because <laughs> when Jesus was born, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Big deal. Yep, yep. Ryan, I am interested, what would a working 
sentence or two definition of the Industrial Revolution BBU? We got light and water, and uh, I mean, there's so many, it's hard to condense it into two sentences, but man's life was made easier so he could focus on things other than survival, I guess would be my two a sentences. Absolutely. Division I love of that. labor, a mm -hmm. specialization of la labor, mm -hmm. the cranking up of. Fa factories production. became a thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Factories became a thing. Small. The textile industry, you yeah. know, yeah. and all that. It yeah. not only enriched your life with you know material things but also it freed up your time to focus on other things yeah. so you're not just scrounging to survive at all times so this is something that and, and I, i've not told him this because i want him to, to discover it on his own but i think tony is going to see the oppo of what he mm -hmm. is in here when he goes to the philippines because that's what i saw when i went to belize and to the villages there in honduras those ladies would get up you know, crack of dawn, and they'd work for two hours for breakfast. They'd rest, they'd work for two to three hours for lunch. They'd rest, they'd work for two to three hours for dinner. And then they would fellowship with their families and go to bed and repeat. Well, we don't have to do that. There wasn't a single microwave in those villages. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a single McDonald's, you know, maybe in the whole area. We sit there tapping our foot at the mi microwave. Two minutes, oh. two minutes. <laughs> Or stand and scroll through the uh, the TikTok like we <laughs> talked about last week. And, and I, I, I am not putting him down, okay? But this is so funny to me. When when high-speed internet came to St. Clair, it, I'm sure Brad heard the angels sing. <laughs> because we've never had high-speed here, and, and who knows if we ever will. So he'd come here, and he ha he'd have to wait on dial-up. 30 seconds in. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Uh, you, you think you, I, I was like, breathe, breathe, <sighs> live, man, it's okay. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I, I go up to the hill and I don't care. I don't care. You know, but, but, but if, if you, li especially if you're a gamer, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, 30 it's seconds. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it's a non-negotiable thing, mm -hmm. you know. And I get it. Uh, and so that's what I'm saying. I'm not putting him down, but it's just funny to, to see it. And, of course, I'd give him a hard time. First, first world problem. That's right. All right, Mount Rushmore again. Uh, it's the century 400 to 300 BC. That's when Athens came to rise. And there's so little known about Alexander the Great, how, how he came into being and how he died. There's just a lot of mystery around sure. his life. Um, so that, and the, that's a lot of the foundation for the um, Western world. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of uh, Western... Uh, ideology. Ideology and... Uh, What's the word? Um, the principles that the West yeah the was foundations of, of the of philosophy mm -hmm. is, is freedom Athens. Uh, num so that's number four. Number three, uh, the time spanning the Great Flood. I would love to see what the original creation looked like, and then of course the flood happened, and then nobody wants to see what happens after that. But <laughs> that that time period, and then uh, number two, the time period including the founding fathers. So that had been seventeen hundred to eighteen forty, um, a little over a century there. Just seeing the, the our country born, um, all the things that went into that, seeing God's hand move primarily in our favor, um, watching Him prune the founders, and you know they they would try something and it would fail miserably, but they'd go to God and they'd say, "What what did we do wrong?" And they mm -hmm. just keep trying, uh, keep approaching. And then the number one, the time I live in right now, I have a very real sense that we are in the last days before the Lord comes back, and it's an exciting time to be alive and. I hope that I can do my part 
before the Lord comes back. Amen. So uh, Molly says uh, 1700 to 1800 England, uh, Wild West to 1800s West, pre-flood and Jesus' life. And then my four were uh, medieval times, World War II, Bible times, and now. Because uh, I, I agree with that. I really do. Uh, I, you know, if we're allowed to do this in heaven, I will probably sit down for a while and study World War II because there's some pretty cool stuff that happened in there. What that God the did for us as 12 a years, the years coming up to that, and yeah. like in the four years of the war, there was a lot, a lot of amazing things that happened. And, and, and I, I want to see how in the world did Adolf Hitler fool all those people. Hmm. I, I, just, I don't get that, you know. Uh, so anyway, uh, 720, well, we're way past that. But mystery topic. <laughs> Brother Brad, you got the wheel? No? Oh. You guys, uh, I, got, I got a question for you here. So if, if two tribes of cannibals break out into a war... Do you call that a food fight? <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that in there somewhere. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> I heard that was a good one. So. Well, certainly Appreciate by the end of it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Ryan. Ryan. All right. Okay, I'm probably going to get myself in trouble with this one. Go Here for we go. It. Jump so, in. So uh, we were, were going in Sunday school through the book of Genesis, and when, as we were going through the creation story, you know, God created all the, you know, everything that exists, and then he got to the animals, and then finally the humans. I uh, asserted that I think it is wrong to call a pet or an animal a part of your family. Two mixed well, reviews, you as Ouch. you must say. Two mixed reviews. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured I would lay out my argument and just get your thoughts. I, uh, I thought I was going to have to say it on one of the weeks that Gavin wasn't here, but I'm glad he got to <laughs> be here for it just because being a vet, I'm sure he's got opinions on it. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, I'll lay out my argument, and then I'll let you go ahead. All right, lay out with your me. argument. So. That, that it's wrong. That it is wrong to call a a pet part of your family, mainly because when God made us, he very distinctly made us different than all the animals. He breathed into us the breath of life. And it, like when he made the animals, it just said they came forth from the earth. But when he created us, he said he formed us from the dust of the earth and breathed into us the breath of life. It's a very distinct uh, difference between the two. Um, refer to my notes, but uh, clear distinctions. Um, and he gave us dominion over the animals. He uh, told us to dominate them and to use them for our own purposes. Mm -hmm. I would say as a possession, uh, obviously not one to abuse. You, you know, no, the Bible no. is very, yeah. very clear in yeah. multiple places not to yeah. abuse animals. Um, but a lot of people, they'll call their animals like, um, like they'll have a dog and they say, you know, I'm a dog mom or this is, this is my kid and stuff like that. And I, I know that this isn't the way they mean it. Right, right, right. But I do think it is uh, an important point because, you know, how insulting is that to your actual kids to put them on the same level as your dog? I mean. Well, but, but some parents may, that may be what they're going for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe you have disappointed. They, they want to have the dominion. Like, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Who knows, but this isn't the birth of a furry. I mean, I, I don't it, know. Oh, boy. So I yeah. want to be at least treated like the dog has been mm -hmm. treated or the cat's been treated. And honestly, when I was bringing this up, I framed it as a pet peeve. But the more I thought about it, I do think it's important to make the distinction because more and more it's not made. Uh, I Even just today, one of the guys at work, he's a younger guy, 
and uh, we were talking about dogs and stuff. He's like, I was raised that, you know, a dog is a part of your family. You wouldn't kill your brother, would you? You know, he's taking it seriously. The dog is a part of your family. Give him my business card. Yeah. (laughs) I love (laughs) this (laughs) card. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah. so anyway, I've, I've basically those are platinum level customers. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just curious of your thoughts on the subject. I, I'm, I didn't lay it out super clearly, but Gavin may not be able to answer <laughs> <laughs> on the business level. I'm well, I, it's funny because I've come full circle on the topic because I was the same way. I, I thought it was ridiculous to call your dog your daughter or your your child or refer to it that way. And and anymore, it's just it, it's. It's a cultural thing, and, yeah. but yeah. I, I don't really think that I, I know that I don't, but I don't think a lot of my clients consider necessarily this, they're the equivalent of a human mm-hmm. being. Uh, and, and they may say that they do, but a lot of their actions under, yeah. Yeah. underwrite that. Yeah, if you go uh, driving down the highway and you see a dog and a person drowning, which one are you going to save type yeah, of thing? Yeah, and, uh, You'll be saving both if the, pers- if the dog belongs to the other person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hang, on, hang on with the dog. So I... I I live in a, uh, or I operate in a, in a industry that highly values pets and highly values animals for a lot of reasons, and I see the advantage to that in one very important aspect. God created them too, and I think they're a really good ambassador to some people who won't listen to people who've been so hurt by people who've mm. been really char- charred or burned by, um, in their life by people who hurt them deeply. And they basically have one creature on this earth that expresses love to them all the time. Mm. I can see why it's an easy sell. I can see why it's an easy buy-in. Um, the affection that dogs bring to the table, almost without exception or rival, um, I just think they're ambassadors for God. I think they really can reach people and get people to consider the possibility that there is good, especially if they had a really crummy life. Um, or a really crummy family, which is maybe why they gave up on the human side. It had a really crummy family. But yes, I, I, I agree with you. We, we shouldn't equate them as far as, you know, they shouldn't have the right to vote. They shouldn't have the, you know, the, um, they're obviously not on a level of a human being. They're not of the, the same life value of a human being. Um, but I, I see the cultural, you know, the cultural side of this is um, this, this animal is very important to me. I consider it to be part of my family. Uh, right or wrong. You shouldn't be putting them on the same level as your children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I agree with that. I think most people, when it came down to the nitty-gritty, would admit that. But I, I, I see where you're coming from. I don't, yeah. I don't and I think the only way or reason I would use the word wrong is if someone actually does enter into a discussion and an argument with you that most definitely they are on the same level as any human. Uh, I, I believe you've got your own firm ground there mm-hmm. and the such. And that's why I like, I'm judging their, uh, what they're saying, not their motivations yeah. behind it. Yeah, amen. Thing. So what I would do, or, or I guess you could say what my, what's important to me is that they understand the distinction. I, I'm okay with them using, you know, axioms, mm-hmm. oh, this is my kid, you know, and stuff. I'm fine. As long as they know. Yeah. It's just an axiom. It's, it's just like me saying I love lasagna. Well, I'm not going to marry it. You know, I'm not going to put it on the same level as my wife and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Uh, and most anybody that knows me knows that I know that. So, but then you get, because, and, and, I mean, th- think about it. We are in a world that right is wrong and wrong is right. Yeah. And, you know, even before this became a discussion, I've always had a problem with people referring to us as animals. 
We are not mm -hmm. animals. We are above animals. Do we have some of the same systems? Yes. Why? Because we were created by the same God. Same, same you know, some same animals author. have lungs. Some animals have, you know, or, yeah, skeleton systems and things of that nature. But that doesn't mean we're the same, you know. Uh, the, um, and, and animals were put here by our creator mm -hmm. for us to enjoy. Exactly. Right. Just putting them in the wrong place, I think mm -hmm. it gets dangerous. But. Hey, hey, man. Uh, all right. Well, uh, any other comments on that? Yeah, I think in, in just my line of work, I th I've had the conviction that every animal that we can study and find more out about, which is all of them, yeah. we learn something about God yeah. in, in that process. And <clears throat> if not just that he's a, a infinitely creative God, uh, in that there's purpose to all life, there's reason for all life, and all life is, what's it's special, I'm not specialist, it's it's important. It shouldn't be taken lightly. It shouldn't be abused. It shouldn't be um, take. Life shouldn't be taken uh, meaninglessly or, or um, cruelly. Uh, so, even if they have a different level of meaning, they still have meaning. Life That's is right. still important. Yeah. Well, and and you know that. that <coughs> excuse me. That gets us to the argument. Uh, all of these groups that are for abdicating animals on the same level as humans mm -hmm. they also most of them if not all of them are for abortion yep. it makes no sense whatsoever and, and you know that is obviously an issue that i have with those groups you know I, i'm fine for you advocating for animals but not to the point that you know you don't advocate for people you know and, and children the, mo the most uh what's that word the most innocent but also they can't defend themselves. Vulnerable. Vulnerable. That's mm -hmm. the word. Yeah. So, amen. Good stuff. Uh, brother, uh, we, we, we had a, a text or two. Let me catch up here. He says, I have a dog that will obey me more than my kids sometimes. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also had comments on the other uh, situation here. Um, being a light for others to see you follow God's word. Uh, all the preaching in the world will not lead others but by your actions, you lead them more. There is a scripture that does defeat a little bit of that argument, Brother Larry. Uh, how will they hear unless a preacher be sent? Uh, so yes, preaching does reach the world, but I absolutely agree with the sentiment of your text. Uh, yours and my actions sometimes speak louder than our words. Uh, industrial revolution meant the fathers no longer worked at home anymore. Yeah, that, it did. It take, took a lot of fathers and ultimately mothers out of the home uh, as well. All right, so... Uh, I do not understand the questions game at all. Do, you, does it, do any of you? Not really. I okay. vaguely remember that we have to continue the conversation by asking a question. If you ask, if you make a statement, you're out. But all I right. Sure. So, so uh, she did give us some guidance here. Uh, these are the pick a scene and make the questions about that. So we've got to pick between prom night. <laughs> I didn't go to one. The Last Supper with Jesus. Crippled by the the cripple by the pool of Bethesda, or in line at the Apple Store. <laughs> so I don't know, Brad. She may have intended for you, but we're not going to put that on you right here at the last minute. But Ryan, uh, which one you want to talk about? In line at the Apple Store, crippled by the pool of Bethesda, or the last night supper with Je the last supper with Jesus? Let's do the cripple. All right, crippled by the pool of Bethesda. 
I was going to start it, but I, I, my first question was dumb. Let's see here. Uh, will anybody help this man? What do you mean by help? Does this man want help? Most certainly he has asked for help, hasn't he? Is there a time limit? <laughs> Why did Jesus come to help him? How long has it been since he's changed his mat? By the smell of it, I would say several weeks. But what does that have to do with the situation? <laughs> you just... Are you sure you realize the rules of the game now? <laughs> you think this is a game? <laughs> Do you seriously believe a cripple that set it by the pool of Bethesda is a game? I, I told when, you at the beginning I didn't know the rules of this game. <laughs> when you consider the uh, filthiness of his mat, no. Okay. Okay. Oh, is it my turn? Okay. Well, that wasn't a question, was it? I didn't hear what Gavin said. I when you it. consider yeah. the filthiness of his mat, no, he says that I didn't oh. know the rules of the game. Oh. So what are the rules of the game before we start another topic here? So I, I think that was a statement. My, mine was a statement. You're oh, correct. So I'm out. Yeah, you're out. Let's get this game over with. Yeah, no doubt. I, but I, I, let's do in the line at the Apple Store. Let, let, let's, let's try one more time. In the line at the Apple Store. Okay, you ready? Yeah. All right. Why did everybody in town come to this Apple store? What's the new product? How, how is the new product any better than the last one? Yeah, I quit. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm sure Molly will, will critique that to the, to the end. Uh, all right. So coaches some. Yeah. 744. Uh, precarious moment chapters. We actually did 39 last week, but we didn't get to 40 and 41. Uh, so we're into the millennials here. Um, well, wait a minute. I'm, I've got to keep going back and forth. Actually, I think we're at chapters 43 and 40. Yeah. 41 was the reality, number one, millennials breath, a, breathe a different atmosphere. The hope on the horizon was 40, chapter 40. Yeah, yeah I so am totally lost here, so hang on a second. Uh, most recent text says 39, 40, and 41, but I am not sure. All right, so 39, uh, I've just got to see that list, and I'm, I'm not seeing it. I had to. Uh, okay. Chapter 38, was we, we dealt with that last week because we talked about all of the differences uh, that uh, millennials have on sexuality, okay? And so I think we were supposed to do 38, 39, 40 last week, so now we are at 39 presuppositions and values. We didn't talk about branding last week, did we, or mm -hmm. did we? Okay. I don't think so. For me, this was a completely uh, interesting situation, I, and I saw it but didn't see it, if that makes sense. Uh, and he uses Donald Trump as an example. Donald Trump brands every one of his competitors. Finish this for me. Crooked. There's a lot of Hillary. those. <laughs> Hillary. Yeah. Crooked Hillary. Uh, I'm trying to remember the other one. Sleepy Joe. Lion Ted. Lion Ted. 
L little Marco. Little Marco. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I really can't wait. Well, he already has. De Sanctus. De Sanctimonious. De Sanctimonious, De Sanctimonious. right. Uh, and which is hilarious to me, and I, I'm, you know, I'm a supporter. I'm, I mean, this is redneck country. You know, you come out against Donald Trump, and you might lose something. You're gonna have to move. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm, I'm a supporter. With that said, uh, why hasn't anybody branded him yet? <laughs> you know, the Orange Man. I mean, yeah. you know, and and all that. And maybe that has been his branding. But I'm guessing he learned early on the the advantage of that. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, I, I guess I just didn't put two and two together that millennials like that, you know? I mean, we all as Americans like branding. Uh, I've got a guy that emails me every day about, you know, trying to get me to brand myself, you know, because he, he, that's his thing. The, you are the brand is his, is his deal. And I think a lot of it is that it, when you put just an overarching statement on something, it makes it, it simplifies it and you have just the big picture that you can latch on to just that instead of having to suss out the details because a lot of the millennials either don't know how to do that or never have done that. So it's just easier to grab onto for a larger group of people if it's, you know, you've got one big overarching statement to grab onto. Mm, very good. So uh, he says very simply, national branding among millennials, branding and labels currently carry more weight than fact or reality. And so uh, for me, the obvious fix to that is as you get close to someone in this setting, uh, you just win an, uh, an opportunity to bring the reality that we all should base our decisions on facts and figures. You know, um, y'all have heard me say about when I went to do the crusade in uh, Colorado years and years ago that basically everybody that they tried to share the gospel with would tell them, don't you worry about us, preacher, we're okay. And he said, you're going to deal with that and you need to have an answer for it. So my answer was that good decisions are based on good information. And uh, bad decisions are based on bad information. And so, you know, for you to just sit here and arbitrarily say, I'm okay, based on what? How, how do you know you're okay? You know, th that's just not, you know, it's not good thinking. And so, uh, yeah, we, we have a generation, if you will, of people that, that they're just okay with branding something and moving on. Mm. But are they okay with the results and the uh, terrible circumstantial consequences that come as, as a result of a very bad decision. Yeah, the, the uh, mantra used to be that, uh, well, let's not use labels. Let's not put labels on it. Let's now it's label it. everything. Yeah, yeah lab label everything. You're conservative. Even if it's uh, inaccurate. Right, uh, right. So it could take a lot of time and, 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 the, and the, one of the chief sins of this generation is to admit that you've made a mistake. You, that's, a, that's the worst sin that you can do is to admit that you were wrong about something or someone. Um, it, that makes it very hard to, to reverse a branding or reverse a bad label. Right. Uh, so I, Especially in the age where so much of it is public, like half of what you say is on the internet type of thing. So if, you, if, if it's... Yeah all over the place and everyone knows, you know, this is your brand. It makes it all that much harder to and change. And there's never a personal opportunity to, to correct it. Mm -hmm. so, so for somebody to know that you're not uh, Lion Ted and you've, they've never met you, it's going to take a personal encounter with him to, to see that he's a genuine, honest individual and right. his life, uh, his character speaks strongly to that. So it's going to take a lot of work to undo that. So I, I see the, the advantage that it gives, but I also see the, the horrible uh, 
waves that come from that, the unintended consequences that come from that, that don't go away easily. Right. Well, and so the next thing he talks about uh, in chapter 39 is no absolutes. Uh, if, if this generation is not careful, that they just reject absolutes, which for me is ironic that they're accepting an absolute branding of someone without any proof or without question. You know, documentation, but yet you try to tell me that there is absolute truth. Yeah. You know, come on now, uh, let's at least work here. So he says, uh, we are now living in what is considered a postmodern culture. Postmodern means a radical appraisal of modern assumptions about culture, identity, history, or language, resulting in a blanket rejection of all that went before. Truth and morality have become purely subjective. And, and, and there's a danger in that. Uh, you've talked many times, if that is true, then you can't believe anything. Nothing. Even the statement that moral absolutes are, are you know, not absolute. Prove that, you know. So is that statement true? Right. So that statement that there are no moral absolute truth, if, if you say there are no moral absolutes, is that true? You is just that said statement that, true? You said there's no moral absolutes, so that's not even true. Right. So what, a slippery slope we're in? That's right. Uh, so we actually did, we referred to this particular situation uh, during the in-service teacher training launching the school year. Teachers were instructed that if a student asks a moral question, teachers mm. were to respond, do whatever you think is right. Uh, our friend who was Lord a teacher help. of the year asked, so you're telling me that if a student decides to rob a convenience store and they come to see, come to me and ask what I think, I can't tell them stealing and robbing is wrong? The answer, correct. You need to tell the student they need to do whatever they think is right. Wow. Well, I mean, anarchy. That, yeah. That's what mm. that gets into. And I think it's a little more okay. than that, too. They don't just say anything goes. Uh, if you bring up anything good, that's not okay. Anything, right. you know, the founding of the country, um, being colorblind as far as race, any of that, if you bring it up, it's no longer, you know, do whatever you want. It's, you know, you bow to us or else. Right. Yeah, yeah, all of a sudden there are some moral absolutes, mm -hmm. you know, type thing. Can I give uh, them your address when they want to go rob yeah. someplace? Right, no doubt. Is that okay? So hope on the horizon, uh, chapter 40. Uh, th this generation um, are absolutely statistically more pro-life than the ones preceding them. Men. It's not 100%, but, but, but they are statistically more pro-life. Now, inter something interesting that he brings out here is that, because, you know, if you ask the question, well, why is that? Why is this group of young people, this generation more pro-life than the other, your first thought might be, well, look look what they have in technology. You know, look, look what they can see now through uh, ultrasounds, ultrasounds and CT scans and all that. But he says, no, since 1965, Time Magazine, you know, had the hand coming out of the mother's womb, grasping the doctor's finger. We've had this technology for quite a while he thinks that God has put it in their hearts to support the life of the unborn. That's an interesting thought. So, you know, on no level are we trying to say that this group of young people are, you know, this, that, or the other as far as bad. Yeah. They We're, just have their challenges like yeah, every that's other right. generation. They have their challenges like every other generation. They're anti-human trafficking. Well, why I wouldn't would you be? I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't you be? Uh, there is hope, he says. So uh, then the last one here, uh, chapter 41, 
millennials breathe a different atmosphere. So basically, uh, he says here, they thought reality television was genuine reality. The music they listened to largely encouraged moral values that contradicted what most parents endorsed. Every TV show from their childhood either had a positive, apparently happy and fulfilled homosexual character or the show or else promoted or normalized cohabitation and premarital sex and relationships. The parents in the shows weren't smart. You, you see that in every show. Uh, and the, uh, the kids routinely displayed open disrespect for authorities. The lead characters were guided by subjective morality uh, and the such. And so certainly that, that it, those things are all true, that that's the type of TV they were raised with. Uh, so solution number one, he says, introduce them to new atmospheres. You know, you could pretty well sum it up that the answer to the, the older generation getting along with the younger generation is conversation. Sit down over a cup of coffee or Diet Mountain Dew or whatever, Red Bull. <laughs> Let them drink the Red Bull. Uh, yeah, and, and just... Let them watch me have a heart attack. Talk. Yeah, <laughs> just talk. Uh, and, and do your best. L love them with your actions, as Larry's already pointed out. Uh, be real to them. Don't, di don't dissuade or, or discount. That's the word. Don't discount them, you know. Uh, Even if you end up disagreeing in the end, just hear them out at least. Hear them out. Amen. All right, comments? I've got to learn to be more amiable in disagreement. Amiable. That's a good word, Gavin. That means likeable. Yeah. Amicable is another yep. way to say it. Uh, I've always said that you can agree to disagree agreeably. Agree to disagree agreeably. Uh, so, word of wisdom. Okay, so I stole mine from Mike Rowe. It was something I heard years ago, and it stuck with me. He has a video on PragerU. You can look it up. If you just put in Mike Rowe PragerU, it'll come up. But his... Uh, just the snippet that I'll give you if you don't look it up is uh, never follow your passion, but take it with you wherever you go. So if you want more, look up that video. Sounds good. Never follow your passion, but take it with you wherever you go. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, thank you, folks. Excellent crowd tonight. Thank you so much. Lord bless you. Thanks, everybody.